Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where a stupid Karen loses $2.5 million. Our next Reddit post is from Deleted. So I have this friend, Ted, who like seven years ago was 64 and considering retirement. Ted worked in health analytics for a large metro health organization. He would look at patient data and see ways to improve patient outcomes and gain funding. Each month, he would send an email to department heads with data, links for government grants, and funding applications. Twelve months prior to this, Ted got a new boss, Sally, who didn't appreciate what Ted did. Sally pretty much ignored Ted, except for a simple instruction that all data and reports go to her and no one else. She said that she would deal with it. The organization went through a restructuring and there were lots of job losses. As a result of this, Ted was found to be redundant. In a meeting, Sally told Ted that his work is useless and he's of no use to the organization. She says that she hasn't opened one of his email reports in 12 months, and that clearly shows that he doesn't matter to the organization. In three months, he'll be redundant and receive a handsome package for over a year's pay. Sally was pretty rude to Ted during this meeting, and HR actually asked her to leave. HR decided that Sally would no longer deal with Ted. The workers' union was putting up a decent fight and slowing down the restructure. Ted makes an offer to HR that he wouldn't fight the redundancy if they pay him three months sick leave and after that his redundancy pay. They agree, but they insist that he does a full data clean for patient confidentiality reasons in the next two days and then his sick leave can start. Cue malicious compliance. Ted creates a backup of his work, then calls IT who deletes all of his files. Then he physically destroys his hard drive. He also asked them to search through any unopened emails that he had sent and delete them off the server. So, IT wipes every last trace of Ted from the system. Ted gave the copy of his data to the internal auditors on his last day. On Ted's last day, he also discovered that Sally didn't know that he was going on sick leave the next day. She calls him with a sickly sweet voice, saying, Hey Ted, I need to look at those numbers that you sent me, but I can't find them. The auditors say that we're $2.2 million short of funding this year and that you might be able to help out. Ted replies, sure, but just call me tomorrow. Ted leaves and retires happily ever after. Sally apparently couldn't find Ted's data in the coming weeks. Ted ignored her calls because he was on sick leave. The internal auditors investigated and found that Sally had cost the organization over $2.5 million in funding. At the same time, complaints came from department heads because they were missing Ted's reports. Someone forwarded Ted an email a couple of months later from the CEO, stating, After a brief conversation with Sally, she's decided to look for other opportunities. Down in the comments, we have this reply from HMS Slarta Bartfast. I've seen the end result of one too many Sally's. I knew a programmer who was instrumental in an organization's biannual reporting. In his case, the Sally couldn't figure out what he was doing for over a year, and she tried to have his services terminated. About six months later, when the report was required, no one in their organization knew how to do it. The company offered about $200,000, and this was in the late 1990s, to get someone to generate and certify their numbers, but they only had a window of about 10 days to get it done. Considering the money that was at stake and the requirement to have it certified, no one was willing to touch it. It was just too little time and too much liability. So, the company missed their deadline. They lost over 60% of their revenue immediately. 
The company went under shortly after. It seems that this Sally didn't know that contracting with government agencies often have unique requirements. Our next Reddit post is from A Quiet Borderline. My company takes safety very seriously, to the point that we have safety briefings on the regular to keep us updated. Yesterday, we had a talk on trash compactor safety. One of our big rules is to never, ever, under any circumstances, climb into the compactor unless it's unhooked from any power sources. Sounds like common sense, right? Well, dear reader, as you're about to learn, apparently common sense isn't that common. After getting our briefing, we get our assignments and we're sent on our merry way. I go to my area, clean it, and pull trash. As I'm walking to the compactor, what do I see sticking out of it but two trousered legs? After the shock lasting a nanosecond wore off, I start yelling, What are you doing, you idiot? Don't go crawling around in there! I know I shouldn't have yelled it, but I was so mad. Well, Mr. Idiot fell out and starts yelling at me. Don't you go yelling at me. Where's your manager? Get them here right now. Malicious compliance mode activated. I put on my sweetest smile and say, of course, I'm so sorry. Let's get my manager here. Mr. Idiot smirks and is like, good girl. So I call my manager and ask her to come over. Meanwhile, Mr. Idiot is smiling like the cat who got the cream. I'm fighting to keep from smiling. Because my manager takes safety as seriously as I do. I've seen her reduce full-grown men to tears over safety issues. My manager shows up and Mr. Idiot says, You should train your workers to not yell. My manager turns to me. And why were you yelling at him? Because I caught him climbing into the compactor and I got scared that he would get crushed. At that point, Mr. Idiot goes from looking like a contented cat to looking like a scolded dog. After a sound verbal thrashing, my manager calls Mr. Idiot's manager. Within 30 minutes, Mr. Idiot was clearing out his desk, still smelling of garbage. Beneath that, we have this story from Sapphire. A mom with my kid's soccer team was gone one season. She came back next season, missing a good bit of several fingers. It seems her lawnmower clogged, and she turned off the power and turned it over. Something was stuck under the blade. She pulled it out, but I guess it had one last spring rotation left, and whack! After that, I always used a stick or a long tool to unclog my mower. Yeah, it always confuses me when people don't take safety seriously around heavy machinery because a trash compactor can literally compress you into a meat cube. Our next Reddit post is from First Contribution. We installed cameras in the front of our home that were looking at our vehicles. Part of the camera angles did overlook parts of the two neighbors' property, one in the backyard and one in the side yard. The cameras were battery operated and they had a function where you could gray out areas that you didn't want to film. When motion occurred in the grayed out areas, the cameras wouldn't be activated to film them. Our neighbor's entire properties and several bushes on our property were grayed out. We did this when installing them. One of our neighbors was a friend and had no issues with this whatsoever. We showed her the camera angle and she said that she didn't care whether or not we grayed out that area, but we still left it grayed out over battery life concerns. The other neighbor's name was Karen. Well, not really, but we all know why I chose that name. Karen was on the Homeowners Association board, and as you can imagine, we did not get along with Karen or the HOA board. We told Karen about the camera and showed her the grayed out areas at the same time that we told our friendly neighbor about it. It was simply an FYI conversation, not an asking permission conversation. 
She told us to take the cameras down immediately or we would regret it. About a week after we hung the camera up, we got a notice from our HOA that we were violating the bylaws. The bylaw in question, a nuisance to your neighbors bylaw. There wasn't a specific bylaw preventing placement of cameras, so this was all they could find to try to punish us. We responded with a letter detailing how we weren't violating any bylaws or laws in general, and we asked them to cease and desist. We all know how these stories go, though. They did not cease, and they did not desist. Their first response, The HOA has the right to enforce these bylaws. Try to stop us if you think you can. These types of responses were, unfortunately, quite common from this board. We entered this battle with one goal in mind, to cost them as much money and time as possible. The HOA hired a lawyer specifically to fight us. To my knowledge, this hasn't happened to any other residents. In the following four months, we ended up costing the HOA over $4,000 in lawyer fees fighting this battle. For reference, the entire HOA's income was $25K a year. When it came time for our official HOA hearing over the matter, we had successfully postponed it, thanks to an attorney friend, three separate times. There were over a hundred back and forth emails with the HOA attorney and ourselves. Each one of those emails was a 15-minute expense for the HOA, and I was happy to follow up a follow-up question with another follow-up question if that meant the HOA attorney was going to keep billing them. We didn't actually want to take this battle to court, so we ended up removing the cameras the day of the hearing. The HOA decided in this hearing that we were guilty, surprise, surprise, by violating the bylaw. They couldn't fine us because that bylaw didn't allow a fine until the hearing had been held and the cameras were already removed. In the end, the punishment was a sternly written piece of paper on the attorney's letterhead that stated that we're not allowed to place a camera on our home that had the potential to invade a neighbor's privacy. Keep in mind, the letter specifically stated that the camera couldn't be placed on our home. We left the cameras off the home for about four months, until the annual HOA meeting. You should have seen the look on the HOA board's faces when I asked them to explain the 4,000 line item for attorney fees that simply stated, title searches, attorney fees. The board actually tried to hide the fact that they spent $4,000 trying to fight us over a couple of cameras by putting the fees in as title searches. Needless to say, that meeting did not go well for them. About half of them lost their positions on the board. The other half, including Karen, unfortunately, remained on the board. About a week after the annual meeting, we installed new cameras, facing the same direction as the prior cameras. Only this time, we installed a post on the ground and mounted the cameras to that post. The admonishment we received after the hearing specifically stated that we were not allowed to install cameras on our home. They said nothing about putting them on a post. They did send us a letter to try to tell us to remove the cameras, but a sternly worded response indicating that we were prepared to fight them actually worked this time around. I guess they didn't want to spend another $4,000 fighting us. We didn't receive any follow-up responses, and the cameras on the post are still installed to this day. Over two years and running strong. Our next Reddit post is from Warm Tomato. I'm a 56-year-old man from the UK, and I was working in Africa as an operations manager for a large global security company from 2009 to 2014. 
The country I was working in had been through a long civil war and was very underdeveloped. Thank no paved roads and people living in very traditional African lifestyle. At that time, I'd been working on a 10 weeks in country, two weeks at home rotation for about four years. I'd flown to and from work so often that I had that journey down to the absolute fastest travel time. And I'd figured out the cheapest option for the company. The shorter my journey was, the cheaper it was for the company, so it worked out for everyone. Someone in the head office was trying to cut down on travel costs, probably to make themselves look good and get promoted. As a result, I got an email after a week at home saying they had changed my normal flight, which was 5pm on Sunday, from my nearest UK airport. This new flight had me departing at 5am instead of 5pm, and it was £80 cheaper. And to clarify, the only flight to Nairobi was 9am because this was a war-torn country and there was only one airport in the country that had a surfaced runway. And they had no runway lights or radar, so all the flights had to be in daylight. Anyway, I agreed to the flight time change, but I asked them to move it to a Monday so I don't lose a day at home. They agreed because they still got to save 80 pounds on the ticket, so no skin off their nose. Once I got the flight confirmation, I contacted the travel desk asking for a hotel and taxi bookings. When they asked me why I needed those, I explained that to make a 5am departure required a check-in at 3am. And since no trains were going to the airport before 5am, that means I had to go the night before and stay at a hotel near the airport. Also, the flights they booked me would get me to Nairobi at 7pm, after dark. So, I'd need a hotel there as well, and a taxi each way to get me to and from the airport. To be clear, this was all to get onto the exact same flight that I would have been on normally if I had just left at 5pm instead of 5am. A couple days go by, and I got a phone call from the company travel desk telling me my travel plan was confirmed. I asked them how much money they saved, and they said 80 pounds. I then asked about the hotels and taxis, and they replied, Oh, they don't come out of our budget. That's the operations budget, so you're fine. I was happy. I was arriving back to work a day later, and I had a free night in Nairobi to sweeten the deal. My boss, on the other hand, went nuts. Nobody had told him about the changes. So the cost for the hotels, taxis, and extra days pay all had to come out of my boss's operational budget. I think the total amount added was almost a thousand pounds, but hey, they saved 80 pounds on the flight cost. Man, these malicious compliance stories make me wonder, how do these giant corporations stay afloat? Because every single time I come to this subreddit, it's story after story after story of stupid managers wasting money, throwing away resources, not listening to experts, and it's like, man, how are you guys not all going bankrupt? That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.